You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. This is episode 122 and we are flying virtually to Belgium. My guest is Stéphane Dubois, the CEO and co-founder of Pointer Pro, an assessment software platform that helps professional services companies to automate their advisory processes. Stéphane loves digital marketing. More specifically, he is passionate about using technology to create meaningful online interactions with people. In 2011, he made an iPad quiz about his daughter with a purpose to entertain the kids at her birthday party. Based on that experience, he created Tablet Quiz, allowing people to create their own iPad quizzes without technical knowledge. In 2012, he made the decision to quit his job and transfer Tablet Quiz into Survey Any Place, which is now Printer Pro, which is bootstrapped to 3 million uh, USD ARR. And before founding Printer Pro, Stefan worked for 15 years in several consulting companies as a consultant, project manager, and account manager. Hi, Stefan. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Hello, Laurent. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's start. First, I'd like to know about your journey because, you know, one third of my guests, they come from the corporate sector. <laughs> move to entrepreneurs to being an entrepreneur it seems that it's exactly the case for you so tell us a little bit what happened yeah exactly um yeah i'm an engineer as a educational background uh, and i started in consulting uh, afterwards um like in the beginning of my career that was i started with pricewaterhouse and became pricewaterhouse coopers um, and then I switched to CSC, uh, Computer Science Corporation. So what I what I've done there is um, like um, I would say large uh, scale software system implementations like uh, SAP that you probably um, or that that we all know um, to implement those kind of systems at large companies, multinational companies, um, and to um, to do consulting. And I followed a bit the um, traditional career track, uh, consultant, project manager, and then afterwards also some commercial more commercial roles. But then, um, yeah, after yeah several years, um, I wanted to um, yeah to create something myself to um, create a product, but also a company um, myself. And then, um, yeah, the lo most logical choice was to do something in software, of course, combining my mm -hmm. uh, work experience with my educational background. And then the only question was what exactly. Um, so I didn't know in the beginning, and or I was hesitating <laughs> between different options. And then decided to um, just to get me familiar with the technology again because yeah, after 15 years of my uh, like educational degree, <laughs> the technology had changed quite a bit. So um, as a like side project, I did this uh, tablet quiz, and uh, so which uh, started for like um, with a quiz for my daughter's birthday, um, and then made a website out of it. So 
Um, but then we see we have seen that um, we have um, we we had um, because I was doing this together with an ex colleague. Um, we had uh, some traction of um, companies also in the US, for example, who used mm. the quiz to um, entertain people at their um, HR event, for example. Um, and then we decided to um, yeah to quit our jobs and then to found the company which was named Survey Any Place at that uh, moment. But did you just quit like that, or was was that was that a you know a slow process? Yeah, it was first in parallel. Um, the whole tab tablet quiz was created like uh, <laughs> during nights and weekends while I had still my daytime job. Um, okay. And then when it got traction, uh, yeah, it slowly became clear that um, yeah, to really launch it and then to really, uh, yeah, if you really believe in it, then you have to go all in and then you have to quit your job. Yeah, that's the way it went. I'm often asked the question, you know, how do I know if entrepreneurship is is for me? How did you know? Yeah, I'm not an entrepreneur by nature, I would say. Like, I didn't have my own little businesses in, in school and so on when I was young. So um, mm. so it's not that kind of a natural thing. Um, but I've always been passionate about it, always like being following the news about companies, especially tech companies, um, how, how they started and how they grew. Um so um so in that sense um it it was like a, a logical choice um for me um I was really passionate about it and it was really a combination of my I, I could yeah I create a software myself um so I didn't have to hire um, expensive developers um in the beginning at least um and and yeah also the um more business side of the software I, I learned it in uh, in my consulting um career um so I had a good base to um to go for it and and then yeah the rest is of course uh, like uh, some calculated uh, risk that you take always uh, yeah. but i i felt also that it was the right time it's like when you're getting married or you're having your first child it's also difficult to say like when it's the right moment and so but you just feel it so you're an engineer so you use your background you use your expertise to convert and convert it into like a like a software product a software a software company but in a startup um, industry, we often talk about, you know, the product market fit. It's really, really important. How did you know you had market fit for your product? Yeah, in the beginning, we, we didn't have, uh, that was, um, <laughs> if, if you hesitate whether you have it or not, then probably you don't have it yet. Um, right. So uh, in the beginning with, um, so back then it was called Survey Anyplace and we were in, in the online survey uh, market. There's like a lot of competition uh, in there. We had a bit of differentiating um, differentiating factors with the competition, um, being that we were more like respondent friendly, um, like um, in comparison to the others. Um, but that was not really enough to um, distinguish us. Um, so we... And as a result, we code quite um, slowly. Um, that changed then in 2019 when we switched um, to assessments. It was not like from one day to the other. I mean, it was like a process also. Um, but we switched from surveys to assessments. And we also added these personalized uh, reports, uh, which are then automatically generated based on the uh, results of the assessments. Mm -hmm. So we had one tool uh, consisting out of two components like the questionnaire editor and then the report uh, generator the fact that we had these two in one application make, made us unique so then we had product market fits because it was um 
like um, a smaller market um, with more valuable, um, more uh, higher deal size and also higher conversion because we were more unique. Yeah? So you know that you have product market fit if you uh, from time to time have a, a prospect on the phone who said like, oh, I'm really happy um, that I found you guys because I've searched for this thing uh, like a long time. It was very difficult. Um, tried a lot of uh, different solutions, but were not, I mean, ideal for, for my use case. And now I, I found you and you really spot on what I need. And that's mm. when you have product market fit. How long did it take you to get there? Well, seven years. So that's, wow. um, but it's not, of course, the seven years we, um, we also generate revenue and so on. I mean, it's not that um, we also had nice clients and, and but it didn't grow um, really well. And we, we felt um, it was gut feeling, but also if you look like, for example, in, in the in, in the books and so that um, are written about startups, um, yeah, they, they say that you have to start with a niche. You don't have to stay forever in that niche, but you have to start in a niche and then grow in that niche and then you can go elsewhere. And so we knew what we had to do and we, we also um, explored some niches, which, um, yeah, after a while uh, were just dead ends, um, but you you don't know it until you um, you, you try it out, of course. So, um, so that's why it took uh, so long. In the introduction, I mentioned that you you've bootstrapped the company so far. Why is that? Why didn't you go after uh, VCs? Yeah, there's also not really a, this um, genial genius master plan plan behind it. Um, in the beginning, it was yeah. just because we, we we couldn't. If if you have like such a slow growth, um, then um, it's difficult to find investors, and uh, we were too focused also on on. Yeah, finding that niche and um, uh, trying out new things um, and I think um, in hindsight it's, it's the right thing to do uh, the only thing that you could say is that we had, should have done it faster yeah um, and then after product market fit um, yeah when you go um, at, a, at a decent rate and it's um, just a question that you have to ask yourself like do you want to um, just be independent and go at, 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 at a decent rate or do you even want to go um, like more um, and then give up um, some of that uh, independency? Um, but if you go at 50% per year and um, then to go at 70, 80% or 100, 150%, is it worth it? Um, mm -hmm. The organization need to digest it. Um, we, um, we have... Um, we have annual contracts while um, and, and people uh, or customers pay on beforehand. So it's less need for financing. We have also some service business. Also, people pay on beforehand. So uh, it's not that capital intensive, um, the business, unless you want to really uh, uh, recruit uh, like uh, sales teams uh, all over the world, open an office in, in Silicon Valley and, and so on. But that was not really needed to grow our business. It's interesting what you say, that there was no... Evil, evil plan or genius plan behind <laughs> behind the company, but often it's the case. <laughs> yeah, know? of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many entrepreneurs have told me, "Oh, I didn't know what I was doing." <laughs> but I feel, I feel like you, you, you're very cautious. So you want to keep, you want to keep control. Um, yes, that's probably um, there's some probably some some truth in 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 there um, because all. all yeah, this is also because the, the journey has been quite long and, and to, um, yeah, you, you're not anymore um, like a, 
appealed by these like stories of, of overnight success that you sometimes read in the press. Mm. Um, so we have our story and, and we think, oh, it's also an interesting story. It's more a realistic story. Um, so yes, um, I, I would like to uh, keep uh, the control, but yeah, if, if I, I never say never, it, it would be a good partner that, that can step in and, and, and it, uh, provide some resources to, to go even faster. It, it's, can always be discussed, I think. But for mm. now, it's it's not needed. Now we had a loan from the bank uh, just recently, so for which we didn't have to give up um, any equity. Um, so that's also a way to um, to finance uh, the business growth. I mean, ninety five percent of all the businesses in the world are uh, financed like that. Um, yeah. So um, why why not do, doing it also for for a software business? Yeah, of course. It's a good reminder <laughs> that you can get exactly. Uh, exactly. Thanks. Yes, of course. So, so what's next? Uh, you reach, you bootstrap to three million uh, annual recurring revenue. What, what, what's next? What, what, what do you want to take this company now? From a go-to-market perspective, um, we um, we have relied, yeah, quite significantly on on inbounds um, mm. in the past and still now. Um, so that is. Um, yeah, search traffic, um, Google organic, uh, also paid uh, advertising, Google, and also some others. Um, so that worked and that still is working, but it's not um, infinitely uh, scalable. Yeah, because there's mm. only so many search terms per month that are used uh, in our domain. Um, so now we have to find um, other channels yeah, to complement uh, uh, this channel. Um, so the first one is um, to go for. Um, more top of funnel marketing. So in our target audience, um, which are the yeah, professional service providers, like the mid-size uh, professional service providers, um, that those people um, know us before they need us. That's right. that's always how I say it. They have to know us before they need us. It's easier said than done. Um, but it's not impossible because there's a lot of companies that have uh, done that in other domains. Uh, like and who were, were successful at, at doing that, so that's um that's the first um thing that we have to do this top of funnel marketing, thought leadership, content marketing. So, and the second thing is um from a go to market um perspective is to um work more on existing clients. Yeah, um so you have beautiful clients that have uh, only a, a small license and where we could do much more in other departments or. Like with uh, with upsell to uh, to uh, larger use of the product, um, so that we have to do um, more um, proactively. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the second thing. Um, and then from a product perspective, um, we have to um, where we we are working now on a new um, module, um, which is called assessment center. Uh, our customers create assessments um, with our product, and I mean, at the end, they give the link to that assessment to um, uh, to their customers, and they can use it. That's, I mean, very simply um, explained, of course. But uh, instead of giving the link to the assessments, they can now um, with the assessment center, they can give a link to a piece of software where their customers have to log in, uh, a kind of portal assessment portal where they can see. Um, the assessment that are assigned uh, to them um, and then uh, also distribute them um, via email and get uh, the results. So in short, we enable our customers to sell software instead of services. Yeah, It's our software, but their customers will not see it's our software because it's white labeled. 
Um, and that's really transformational for our customers because our customers are professional service providers used to um, bill by the hour or by the day of work. Um, and now we give them a tool to capture their expertise to put it in, in our software and to then sell that software to their clients and not, of course, in a time material basis, but on a recurring license basis or on a per use basis, um, what they want. I mean, uh, because it's their, it's their product. Uh, nobody sees um, that it's our product anymore. You mentioned the, the top of funnel, but you are in the B2B, right? Industry. Yes. The B2B industry, it's not that easy. <laughs> it's not only about like, marketing there's a lot of connections to be made you need to make sure because you know you have two layers with your client you have the company but you also have the people inside the company to deal with and they all have their own agenda how do you how do you deal with that how you do how do you manage your sales yeah the sales as it is like it is largely uh, inbound um mm-hmm. so we see that um people are or like prospects they already know a lot when they uh, get in touch with us. It's not like when you go outbound, when you have to explain everything and also explain why this product is important uh, for um, for the prospect. That is not the case. They have done their homework. They have seen probably that there are no not a lot of competitors. Um, they um, they have often questions like, is this possible with your tool or, um, or how much does it cost? Of, uh, like this kind of bottom of funnel uh, questions, which is good, of course. Um, so that's um, not too difficult um, to um, to convert. So there also we don't do um, because when I was a consultant, then indeed you had this different. I mean, you these were also like bigger deals, of course. Eh? But um, you had these different stakeholders, and and you had to um, go um, that one because then the CTO was not yet convinced, and you had to um, send someone to the CTO who was technical, who could talk with that person. Certainly not a salesperson. You have to think about it and. We don't have to do that um, to, to that extent um, now. But mm. if we want to go more um, proactive sales approach, like what I've uh, told, the um, upselling or the land and expand that existing customers, um, then um, we'll uh, have to do more uh, of that. And then the challenge will be to do that um, yeah, in an online world um, without having, I mean, because back in the day in consulting, it was like whining and dining. I mean, <laughs> maybe exaggerating but like it was a lot of face-to-face contact yeah. relationships i don't think the relationship will be uh, will disappear um, i think the relationship um, has to stay um and it's still a prerequisite only the, the only thing is the face-to-face um is um disappearing and because it's just too expensive to go um and, and book a flight for australia to uh, to visit an australian customer who has only um, a lifetime value of a couple of thousand euros um so then um yeah, the challenge is to um to build this relationship without face-to-face contact, um and then to um, to mimic a little bit what we've done like in, in the traditional way, like with, with for example in consulting uh, environment, to do it in an online world. Um, that is uh, that is the challenge, I think. All right, um, let's focus now on you, the uh, the entrepreneur. What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? The nice thing, um about being an entrepreneur and some i mean yeah some some will think it's it's nice some will um not uh not like it that much but it's that you have to be very all rounds in the beginning mm. um so um and i lost that a little bit in uh, in consulting because in, in these large companies you have to be um quite um 
yeah, specialized um, as a consultant, but then even afterwards, um, yeah, also you're really in, in your domain. Um, so um, I was thinking like, will I like that or not? Um, and I, I think I've learned that uh, I, I have, I mean, I enjoyed doing that, but I enjoyed also like um, giving it then to someone else when the, the time is right for it. Yeah. For example, the first uh, application, the first version application, I've yeah, developed myself, like I called it myself, but then pretty quickly I gave it to um, to my technical co-founder who was also better, better at it. So it's always uh, you do it until um, you find someone who is better at you to, to do it and then you give it, uh, you hand it over. Um, and, and that is something that I really enjoyed. It's maybe not for everybody. Um, some people will not like to do everything and some people will also not be ready to hand over something to someone if, if they are better at it. Uh, yeah. But but I was lucky. I was not really better at anything. So I'm 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 quite all around. So that's maybe an advantage. Uh, so I'm saying like you 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 were already like a generalist. Yeah, I'm 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 more a generalist, and I'm interested in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and and I don't mind um, to um to give it uh, to someone else, even if in the beginning that someone else could could also have their, um, um, yeah, um, it, it will not be perfect uh, because they have also to um, to to learn it and to to get uh, used to um, to the company and, and the environment. What was the most difficult thing to learn? The most difficult thing was to, um, yeah, to find that niche, um, to, um, to accept that um, sometimes you, um, you're in a in a in a dead end. We we, we tried something about um, events and um, like um, with QR codes that attendees at events at the QR codes and then and you scan it and then you have a small survey, personal data together with the survey answer are, are stored in the cloud and so. I mean, yeah. And then we did it with some uh, events and we had to go to these events to help and people who uh, organized that. It was really nice, but it was difficult to accept that. After all, um, it was not scalable. Or I mean, uh, we, we tried then to to sell it at other event organizer, but it didn't work that well. Um, sometimes you immediately see that it doesn't work. Sometimes you immediately see that it works, but then often it's it's in the middle, and then it's difficult to um, to estimate um, whether you will continue that path or, or not. Uh, that that is the most difficult uh, thing, I think. Is there is there anything you would have done differently? But I don't. I still don't have a magical solution for that or so. But uh, I would uh, this experimentation because what that what it, that's what it is. In fact, you you experiment about like certain use cases for your product. Mm. Um, to um to do it more methodological and to do it faster. To say on beforehand, these are the criteria for success, and then if these are not met, we go to the next thing, and then. You can do it faster instead of thinking, yeah, if you do, if you just develop this this feature, it will work. And and so I mean, you know how it goes. And, yeah. So so don't look for uh, perfection. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So um, don't look perfection uh, for perfection, but establish clear goals on where, where you need to be, and um, if if these goals are not met, you have to take some kind of action, either forget that path and, and pivot to something else um, or yeah, or in, invest in, in a better product or, or, or 
uh, have another experiment. Um, so uh, and and set yourself uh, goals for not only also the speed, like the um, when something has to be uh, um, decided whether you you go for it or not. I help um, entrepreneurs not being the bottleneck in their businesses. When was the last time you were but the bottleneck in your business? Yeah, last year um, we um, I think we had to um, yeah to, to recruit some some people and and we uh, we didn't really have an HR uh, person um, mm -hmm. because she was temporarily out um, and then I was also like on a holiday during a period. I mean that's maybe not a good excuse, but uh, I mean. For the whole recruiting last year, I mean, not maybe not in in, in uh, during the complete year, but there were I was like the bottleneck. If if we would have then a professional recruiter um, instead of me, then it would have been uh, faster. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's an example. Um, mm. um, but it's not I mean, maybe as as bad as it seems. I mean, it's only uh, like a certain period. But yeah, then I felt I was the bottleneck. How many? How many? Uh employees did you recruit by yourself last year about eight employees uh, last year i think okay yeah, to recruit eight you need to interview uh, like a uh, multiple of that um you um you have people that um uh, last minute uh, say uh, no to your um offer and, and then you don't have any anybody else so then you have to uh, start all over again um you have to recruit not only uh, these eight or only the internals. Uh, you have to also recruit consultants and 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 others. I mean, it's it's yeah. There's there's quite a lot of work yeah. behind. Yeah, and so you. How much time did you spend on that recruitment last year? Apparently, oh, too yeah. much time. Too much time, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's easily um, yeah. In certain periods, I think it's easy. Yeah, twenty thirty percent of my my time. That's that is a, an interesting one because you were talking earlier about how good you are at delegating. <laughs> we we have an open position for an HR manager, by the way. So we have yeah. um, uh, if there's any candidates. Um, no, we um we had a HR person for uh, two times uh, two days per week, uh, yeah. like one day per week, but now two days per week. But it's uh, like a freelance person. But now we will replace her by a full-time uh, person because if you are 30 and going to 40, um, then um, it makes sense to have a full-time HR. No, I'm 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 joking with you, but you know, being the boss, so like this is a great this is a great exa example. You know, you want to do everything by yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good word. I also know that if I am not mistaken, you are into sports, aren't you? Like you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm um, I'm doing um, mountain biking, uh, also road cycling, uh, kite surfing. Yeah, yeah. And so, also I'm into sports too, and I think we. I like to talk about it. I like to talk about the analogy between sports and entrepreneurship. There's, there's so many parallels. How is sports helping you being a better entrepreneur? Yeah, the first thing maybe to um to be uh yeah disconnected. Uh, while doing sports i think you you need you need that i mean maybe not everybody achieves this through sports can also be other things maybe but for me it's like when i'm kite surfing for example i don't think about work or i might be thinking about work sometimes but not in a way that it's it's stressful or so um so i'm completely yeah deconnected 
mm-hmm. um, and enjoying uh, the yeah the sensation and the nature. Um, same like with cycling, it's more like with friends and uh, in group. Um, so that's um, that's really uh, helping, I think. Um, also, yeah, so also I'm going sometimes for a run, and and it's like it also only take half an hour, forty minutes, and then you're I mean, when you come back, you're completely re- recharged. Um, and then yeah, on the other side, you have also like the the competition element. Um, mm. Try to be um, to achieve something. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm, I'm doing any competition or so. Um, I, like uh, for my sports, um. But we, for example, do a mountain bike weekend in France every year, and then you have to, like, train for it because otherwise it's too difficult. You don't enjoy it, um. So you have something to work towards too, um. And that's also like, uh, that's an interesting an analogy indeed that you have to, um, plan your trainings. You have to um. But like in a way, it's it's fun also. I, the journey is also fun. Um, or should also be fun, um, and the achievement is also fun, of course, and that's the same in uh, in work. Um, the achievement, if ever like the company gets sold or whatever, I mean that will be of course uh, like a big event. Um, but that's not the only thing that, if the journey towards that goal is is not fun, and and only the goal is 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 the fun part, then it's not um, not good because <laughs> the journey just takes a. Uh, so long uh, so many years yeah. so you have to enjoy it also um and that's um yeah that's another analogy with uh with sports and i hear so many entrepreneurs telling me oh yeah but i don't have time you know i know the importance of you know i should take care of myself and be healthy and blah 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 but i, I don't have time i have a business to run yeah so yeah. let me ask you how do you find the time yeah, in the beginning, I had also like this um, feeling that every minute that I uh, don't invest in my business is kind of um, wasted and and yeah. and will postpone everything, um, which is in a certain sense can can be true also. But you have to, um, yeah, you have to make yourself um, take some time free to to um, to sports uh, or to do something else, um, and. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a matter of of, of good planning, um, uh, and and trying to um to, to be organized. Um, I'm also like commuting to work um by bike, um. Mm. So that's uh, two things at once. Uh, you listen to podcasts, <laughs> um, while uh, working out. Uh, so you learn also something. I mean, you have to combine it. Everybody has to find his uh, or her uh, like way of doing it, um. But it's certainly possible certainly with all the new yeah like possibilities i mean you can here in Antwerp, you can go uh, fitness uh, at, at noon and you don't lose too, too much time it's certainly possible you just have to do it and uh, i think uh, yeah okay so uh my last question if you take all your experience as an entrepreneur what would be the one recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? So people often say that you have to use your, your network, yeah, your personal network to um, to grow your business. And that's completely true. I, I would also give that, that advice. So especially in the beginning, you um, go to your network and you explain what you're doing or what you're planning to do. Um, and some of them will say, okay, I know someone um, who can use your product. Some of them might use your product or be a potential client in, in their business. 
Um, and in that way, you will gain or you, you will acquire some yeah, early customers. Mm. Of course, I mean, the fact that you know people will not make them immediately, immediately a customer, but you have an entry point and then afterwards you have to prove still that you have a good product and everything and then they will eventually become a customer. So that's that's all good. That's good advice. But beside that, I would also give the advice to go beyond your network um, as fast as possible or as soon as possible. Um, because um, when you get stuck in that network, the scalability becomes an issue. Um, so um, because your network is only your network, I mean, some some of our have a bigger network than others, but it's still limited. So um, you use your network for these first customers and you have some interesting logos and potentially also customers that want to do a testimonial. And then you use that to go um, beyond your network um, as soon as possible because the, um, yeah, the first, um, yeah, moment of, of intense satisfaction when you're starting a business is, of course, your first client, like the first person who wants to pay for your product. Um, mm. But the second one, and is also quite intense, I think, is when some complete stranger, because the first one is probably not a is somewhere connected to you via your network, and that's good, the good thing. Um, but the second uh, moment of intense satisfaction is when complete stranger, like someone um from australia went on the website and then uh, had a call with you and then became a customer i mean and yeah. then, i mean they don't know you <laughs> that is um outside your network and once you have that then uh, you you can really scale because if that works with with some random person from australia it's not a random person of course it's someone who um who fits in your um product uh, uh, ideal audience or ideal customer profile but then, um, yeah, like other people from other countries which fit the same profile and have the same needs in their business will also be interested in your product. Yes. It's funny because while you were talking, I was remembering my first client. So yeah, my first clients came from my network. But I, then after that, I got my first client outside my network, the complete stranger you were talking about. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. that's a nice thing to experience uh, indeed. Yeah. Yes. All right, we're coming to the end of this uh, interview. I have one more question for you. How can people contact you? I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Um, so you can just uh, search for my name, Stéphane de Bois, um, and then connect with me. Uh, I'm happy to share experiences with, um, with the listeners. And um, we have also, of course, the web website of um, Pointer Pro. That's pointerpro.com. And there you find um, more about um, yeah, our product, of course, but also like some um, content um, about uh, digitizing professional services, um, like blog articles, case studies, uh, videos, and so on. Thank you very much, Stéphane, for your time today. Thank you, Laurent. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. Reach out to me by email, contact at laurentautin.com or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. See you next time. Bye for now.